0: You're listening to the Michael Anthony Bible Teaching Podcast. This message is from the series Unlimited, with a new weekly topic to give you a clear vision of God and to start living an unlimited life. Be sure to check out Michael's book, A Call for Courage, Living with Power, Truth, and Love in an Age of Intolerance and Fear. You can get it on Amazon or wherever books are sold. The opposite of faith, I want you to think for a moment about the opposite of faith. If I were to ask you, and I'm asking you right now, what is the opposite of faith? What is the opposite of faith? You might think, well, it's doubt. The opposite of faith is doubt. Don't doubt, but believe. Unbelief would be the opposite of faith. But what needs to happen is we need to think more deeply about what does it mean to doubt? What does it mean to not believe? It's nothing other than fear. The opposite of faith is not just doubt. Got to be careful we don't belittle what it means to be faithless or to lack faith or not to rise to the level we otherwise could rise by having faith that honors God. Need to be really careful that we don't just flippantly answer, well, the opposite of faith is doubt. The opposite of faith is unbelief. The opposite of faith, really, when you stop and think about it, is fear. The opposite of faith is fear. Fear. What is it that you're afraid of? What are you scared of? What has immobilized you and caused you to stop in your tracks of obedient surrender with Jesus Christ? Because I'm telling you, with God as my witness and my own life as an example, whatever you're scared of will disembowel you. It will eat you up and spit you out, only your bones. The only thing that's coming out of the mouth of fear is the bones, and speaking of bones, you can end up being just a skeleton of what you were when it comes to being faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you just a skeleton of what you were when it comes to faithfully walking with God, no one who truly, walks with God will ever live to regret it. No one. Are you just a skeleton of what you used to be when it comes to faithfully walking with Jesus Christ? Are you just a skeleton of what you could be, of what you would be, of what you will be if you begin to walk by faith and not by fear? I'm telling you, Your fears will paralyze you. Analysis paralysis. Here's what happens in our lives, and I know this because I have my own life as an example. Here's what happens God puts His hand on your life and He calls you, He saves you by faith in Jesus Christ. And then he begins to show you how to walk in obedient faith with him. And so you begin to take steps of obedience. Listen, without obedience, you can't be a faithful person. You begin to take steps of faith in obedience to Jesus Christ because faith and obedience are inseparable. They're inseparable unless you're into the fake faith that's being presented today that I can follow God and not be obedient. That's not biblical faith. And what happens is God calls you, puts his hand on you, begins to direct you, and you begin to take steps of faith. And then what happens is your intellect gets in the way. <laughs> is that just me? Is, am I the only one who's got a problem with intellect? I know you're thinking right now, I know you are not look like a very smart person anyway, so it couldn't be you. Your intellect gets in the way. And your past track record that God was in gets in your way. And you begin to think that, God's leading on your life to be faithful to him is something that you can rationalize, that you can comprehend, that you can see the end while you're still in the beginning. And then we begin to critique and we begin to filter the voice of God, the direction of God. How God is leading us to the point where we make the leading of the Holy Spirit (laughs) completely irrelevant. The Bible ends up being a book of exceptions rather than a book of examples. Since when did the Bible become a book of exceptions? When? In what church anywhere around the world? Could we honestly be worth our salt and present the Bible as a book of excuses? Well, that was then, but this is now. That was that person, but this is me. But God's calling on my life is different. Listen, if you got a different calling on your life than the calling of God on the life of everybody presented in the Bible, you're not reading the Bible. Maybe you're reading it upside down. Maybe you're reading another book that you think is more important than the Bible. Maybe you're allowing the television. Maybe you're allowing the internet, marketing strategies, text messages, SMS messages. Maybe you're letting all the influence of the world. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? That would never happen to us. That would never, not me, somebody else. I know I'm following Jesus. I'm following Jesus a lot more than most people I know. That's not good enough. God doesn't call you to compare yourself to somebody else because you'll always find somebody and your mind and your heart will gravitate toward finding somebody else who's not as on fire for Jesus as you are. And so you can justify how you're walking with God. Well, compared to, compared to what? Lukewarmth? Compared to what? That's like somebody in the Laodicean church saying, Well, I, I, I'm not like the rest of the Laodicean church. Are you kidding me? You know who we're really kidding? We're kidding ourselves. We can't fool God. What action steps have you begun to take since our last time together? What action steps have you begun to take since our last time together? Wait a second. This guy's preaching as if he wants people to respond to what he's saying. Wait a second. This guy's not just giving us information. Wait a second. This guy, he hasn't even opened the Bible yet. Why don't you get into that Bible, Mr. Preacher Man? and start reading the Bible so I can get some stuff crammed into my gray matter and understand more about God for what? So that we don't put it into practice? Is that what we want? Is that really what you want? I mean, we'll get to the Bible. We'll get there when the Holy Spirit's good and ready. But in the meantime, I want to ask you a question of accountability. Ours is a God of accountability. We'll all give an account of ourselves before him one day, and we give an account of ourselves every day of our lives. See, you cannot have Jesus as Lord of your life if he's not master of every moment. You can't have Jesus as Lord of your life if he's not master of every moment. What decisions have you made this past week about your money? that demonstrate Jesus is lord of his money that he gave to you what decisions have you made what decisions have you made about your use of time you know time management is life management if you're not a good steward of your time you are a terrible steward of your life and your life this is the only one you get this side of forever this is it there's no replay What I'm trying to do is to get you and me to pause long enough to understand that the opposite of faith is fear. And one or the other is going to dominate your life. You're either going to be operating by faith or you're going to be operating by fear, And it's the thing that scares you. The thing that frightens you. The thing that does not make sense. The thing that God is bringing to your attention again and again and again and again. And you know that God's bringing it to your attention because it won't go away. Listen, if you keep coming back to something again and again and it's been years down the road, listen, years down the road and you still have yet to act on it, that's a pretty good indicator that you might be very well operating by fear rather than faith. You cannot simultaneously operate by fear and faith. You can't. One, one, one will dominate over the other. They don't travel together. They're at a continual odds against each other. They are not soulmates. They're enemies. If you're not careful, your fears will begin to run your life and you will think you're a person of faith, but really all you've done is you've rationalized the way, the leading of the Holy Spirit. You've rationalized the way, the teachings of the Bible. Why? Because you're afraid. It's not just that you doubt. I don't want to talk about the opposite of faith as being doubt. Doubt in some nebulous way. Doubt is really, when you peel it back, what are you afraid of? You're afraid you're not going to get something that that you think you deserve? Listen, if you don't have it, you don't deserve it from God's perspective. And if you don't yet have it, you're not ready for it. You're either afraid of something that you're going to miss out on, or you're afraid of something that you might have happened to you. If it's happening to you, it comes for a purpose. That's why you need to evaluate your life. What is it that God has been saying to you? What adjustments have you been making in your life? What kind of a conversation have you had with somebody who needs to hear the truth? Don't hide behind God. Don't hide behind God. I want to share with you, and then you spiritualize it. Can you just speak your heart? Here's what's on my heart. Here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what I'm going through. And whether it's from God or whether it's not from God, it's me. It's me. And I'm being vulnerable and I'm being transparent with you, I'm being honest with you, for the purpose of what? For entering into an honest, vulnerable, transparent relationship with somebody on this planet. I wish somebody would be real. I wish somebody would be authentic. I wish somebody would be organic. Oh, now you're using church words. Organic. We want to be organic. We want to be authentic. We want to be real. We want to be transparent. Are you real? Are you organic? Are you authentic when it comes to your relationship with Jesus Christ? Is this an organic, authentic, real church? Is your family a real, organic, authentic, spirit-led, Jesus Christ-centered family? Can other people, other families, other couples look at your relationship and say, I can follow Jesus Christ by literally following you? Or, Have you begun to use faith as a veneer? Do you speak the Christian lingo without taking risks? Wait a second. Risks? I'm not a risk taker. I don't like taking risks. Then you're not a person of faith. It's not possible to be a person of faith without taking risks. And the greater risks you're willing to take, the greater your faith. When was the last time you took a God-honoring, awe-inspiring gasp of a risk for the God who saved your soul? Or do you think, like many people, they think in our country that if I follow Jesus, he's going to protect me. Oh, we know he's going to direct me. That's biblical. God's going to direct me. But he's also going to protect me. What's he going to protect you from that he didn't protect the early church from? Why is it that in the United States of America, we think we have some kind of a special dispensation, a special protective umbrella of God that we can avoid the difficulties and the hardships. We can avoid the difficulties and the hardships that we read in the Bible from Genesis to the book of Revelation. Anybody who really gets serious about Jesus, the devil gets serious about. Anybody who really gets serious about Jesus, the world gets serious about. Anybody who really gets serious about Jesus... Jesus, This flesh, I can't kill it, won't go away. I woke up in it this morning. I'm gonna get into bed tonight and I'm gonna lay down next to a fox who's got the same problem. As beautiful as she is, she's gotta deal with this. She's gotta deal with this in me. The great danger is that you could rationalize the work of God away because of fear. You could not be taking the steps you otherwise would make for one reason and one reason only, not because of just doubt and nebulous sense. You're afraid. You're afraid God's not going to show up. You're afraid that God's going to hurt you. God's not going to hurt you. You see anybody who, in the Bible, they followed God and they got hurt by God? They got hurt by people, of course. Oh, well, isn't that really the issue? We don't want to get hurt by people. We don't want to get a bad name among people. We don't want to be ridiculed by people. We don't want to be thought less of by people. And then at the end of the day, what are we doing? We're living our lives for people? We're living our lives for people because we're afraid of their opinion more than we respect and honor the opinion of God. Whatever scares you threatens to disembowel you, to make you a shell of a man, a shell of a woman, what you used to be, not what you are now. Many people are stuck in the mud when it comes to a walk in faith because you have allowed, subtly. You can spiritualize it all you want, but it's still the same thing. Call it what it is. You're stuck in the mud because you have allowed fear to grow up entangling vines into your life. And it doesn't have to be in every area of life. You can be demonstrating tremendous looking faith and real faith in nine out of 10 areas of your life. But it's that one area of your life where you're operating by fear rather than faith. That's the thing that threatens to undo you. What changes are you in the process of making as a result of hearing the voice of God to adjust your life so that your life is characterized by faith and not fear? What financial decisions? What time and life management decisions? What relationship decisions, either improving a relationship that you're in or maybe pulling away from a toxic relationship. You might say, well, yeah, my spouse is toxic. Pastor just gave me reason to divorce or separate from my wife or my husband. They're toxic. And after all, I want God's best and she or he's bringing me down. So that's justification for, um, you can make an excuse for anything you want. I'm talking about surrounding yourself with sojourners and sages Men and women who have faith, men and women who are not afraid to walk on the water. And you know what? It could be that God's calling you to walk on the water. You know that example that we read in scripture of Peter walking on the water? Guess who brings that up? Peter does. (laughs) Jesus comes walking on the water. Hey, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out onto the water. And Jesus says, come on out, Pete, the water's fine. Nobody else in that boat had the spiritual testicular fortitude. Did he just say that? (laughs) Nobody else in that boat. Peter was the one who was naive enough to trust God. Careful in your faith journey, you don't, in the process, begin to behave as if you're smarter than God. Because you're not. And you never will be so you might as well trust him. It's time to cash in your chips for Jesus. That's what time it is. We hear about fake news almost every day these days. You know what the bigger problem is that doesn't make the headlines? Fake faith. Our country's filled with it. Fake faith doesn't cost us anything. Fake worship doesn't cost us anything. How do you know if you're walking by faith or you're walking by sight? How do you know whether you've rationalized the role of the Holy Spirit and the teachings of the Bible away by whether or not you're taking risks for Jesus? Peter wanted to take a risk for Jesus. Lord, if it's you, I'm willing to come out on the water. Okay, Peter, come on. And then what happened to Peter? He begins to do the impossible. He literally begins to do the impossible. He starts walking on the water, and then what happens? He's filled with fear. He starts off with faith. His fears get the best of him. He sinks. And it's a great lesson, a great opportunity for you and me. While Peter is sinking, he cries out, Lord, save me. And you know what the Lord does? I save you, Pete. He saves him. So even in Peter taking a risk, don't you love this? Even in Peter taking a risk, he was still on safe ground, even though he's walking on the water. He's still on safe ground because Peter didn't have an understanding of physics but he knew enough in first century, He know, you can't, no, no mere mortal can walk on water. I mean, come on now. But he believed in Jesus, that Jesus could make him a nobody. Do what now we read about in the pages of scripture. Now, if God can do that with somebody walking on water, he can do that by changing your marriage. He can do that by working in your workplace. He can do that by working in a relational issue. He can do that by working in the church. God can do all of that. But you have to be committed to faith, not fear. And you have to be brutally honest to recognize that fear will undo you. Faith will take you to that next place. You got to trust God. Are you taking risks for God or have you begun to play it safe? Have you mistaken that if I follow God, he's going to keep me safe? He's going to protect me. How often are we praying in our prayers? Lord, help me. Watch this. Help me avoid pain. Help me avoid financial difficulty, help me avoid sickness, help me avoid seeing that person, help me avoid conflict. And so much of our time can be based on asking God to do what? To keep us safe and to protect us. And that's part of human nature. That's part of the sinful nature or the flesh, this thing we live in. We gravitate toward being comfortable and living convenient lives. And we want God to keep that comfortable, convenient life coming. And so what happens is we don't take risks anymore. Churches don't take risks because the individual families don't take risks. We don't see how things can add up, how they can measure up. So we stop taking risks. And we don't even understand it's It's a novel idea. It's a brand new idea. It's like, well, I never thought of it that way before. When somebody in the church says, if you're not taking risks, you're not walking by faith. Well, that's a fundamental. If Vince Lombardi was here, he'd hold up a football and say, gentlemen, this is a football. It's faith 101. You gotta be taking risks. What risks have you been taking? How have you been realigning your life? how have you been all in for Jesus or have you cashed in your chips in a negative way? Have you just thrown in the towel and just said, my life has been reduced? That's why you're bored. This is why you're frustrated. This is why you're empty. This is why you feel empty. This is why so many people put on a church face because you're not walking by faith. You're not taking risks for Jesus. You only take risks for Jesus because you know how it's going to resolve. Listen, if you're taking risks for Jesus because you believe that it's a justifiable risk, that you believe that it will resolve in whatever way you think it is. That's not faith. It's not faith. Faith is not knowing how God's going to show up. Faith is not understanding how God, the God who spoke the universe into existence. Can you understand this? The God who spoke all things into existence. The universe was created by his word. He spoke. God just opened his mouth and boom, light. the heavens and the earth. That God knows how to resolve every issue you're facing in your life. He does not have to tell you. He does not have to tell me how it's going to be resolved before we get out of the boat. He doesn't have to tell us how it's going to work out before we start taking a risk. He doesn't want your risk to be calculated on how good you think a risk it is. It's not like investing in the stock market. He wants you to take a risk based on him and him alone. That if God doesn't show up, I'm sinking. If God doesn't come to my rescue, which is synonymous with his rescue, that's how intertwined you want your life to be with God's glory. If he doesn't show up, he's rejecting himself. He's being unfaithful to his own name and his own reputation. So what needs to happen? We need to peel off asking God, to come into my life and bless my life. We need to ask God, God, help me to bless your life. Lord, I exist for your glory and your glory alone, not my glory. Please, Lord, give me the privilege of helping you. Please, Lord, give me the opportunity. Please, Lord, help me to make the most of the opportunities you're giving me. To do what? To build your kingdom, not mine to advance your agenda, not mine. Lord, help me to take inconceivably stupid risks. Inconceivably stupid risks that might actually result in your glory. Because I know, Lord, that if I take a risk for you, you're gonna pick me up out of the water. You're not gonna let me sink. I know, Lord, that I've already won in Jesus Christ. I cannot lose. There is no weapon that is formed against me, that will prosper. Provided, here's what you don't hear today, provided you are walking with Jesus, then there is no weapon formed against you. Some of your problems, some of your difficulties might be because you're asking God to bless your agenda. And God doesn't want to bless your agenda. If you haven't noticed, he wants to bless his agenda. If you read the Bible, he's a jealous God. What does that mean? He's not going to allow your vision and his vision to mutually coexist if they're at odds with each other. And so he will strip away. Read that story about the vine and the branches in John chapter 14. He'll strip away John chapter 15. He'll strip it away. He'll strip it away. He'll prune things. He'll take them away. Why? Not because he doesn't love you. Not because he doesn't like you. But because he does love you. Because he does like you. Because he knows what's right. He knows what's good. He knows what's appropriate but you have to deal with the fear factor because you cannot walk by faith and walk by fear simultaneously. You can't, it's not possible. It's not possible. One is going to dominate over the other. What risks? What risks are you taking? What risks are you about to take? What risks are you taking that could very well lead God to be more glorified in your life than in your whole history up to this point? Or has your life just been reduced to bones? A skeleton of what you could be, a skeleton of perhaps what you were because you have allowed fear to swallow you up, chew you up, and spit out just the bones because you're not taking a risk for God, because you are not fearless. You're not fearless when it comes to walking with Jesus. It's one of the reasons why I love the Apostle Paul. You look with me at Philippians, in Philippians chapter one. Paul was a man who was fearless. He had crossed over and was not allowing himself to go back He understood what it was to live for Jesus Christ and not to live for himself. He understood what it was to live for Jesus Christ and to put him first in all things, whether he was in sickness, whether he was in health, in prison or out of prison. He was the most unchained, chained criminal that ever lived. Criminal by human standards. We know he was completely innocent before God. Paul is the freest man, even though he's chained and under house arrest. And he's such an example for you and for me of what it looks like to live for God by faith and to take risks for God. When everybody else, we live in a day and age, everybody wants to play it safe. Everybody wants to play it safe. Do you want to play it safe too? Did God really call you to be among the majority of people? Or has he not called you? Listen, has he not called you to be among the minority. You're going to find a lot of people today who just they don't want to rock the boat. They're so committed to long-term success. Uh-oh. Oops. It's good to have a five-year and a 10-year and a 20-year plan, but what if God shows up and says, you know what? I want you to risk something. You can be so calculated in your quote-unquote faith walk that it doesn't take faith anymore. All it takes is for you to keep working hard. Uh Uh-oh. All it takes is for you to read a couple of success books from secular people and apply some principles. Uh Uh-oh. All it takes is for you to do what? You don't think there are atheists and agnostics and Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists who are very successful financially, have amazingly positive marriages, and they don't invite the Holy Spirit into that at all. That doesn't mean just because somebody has worldly success that they have spiritual success. You could, if you're not careful, you could so carefully, methodically plan how God is leading you. Watch, pay attention, think. I hope some of us, we leave here and say, I'm not sure I understood exactly what he's saying, but I'm committed to finding out. You can so methodically plan out and measure what God wants to do in your life that it's no longer God doing it in your life. And you know what? Our whole nation is being held hostage. When we have so many Christians in this nation, it's really reprehensible. We have so many Christians in this nation, (laughs) nobody knows what to do. Nobody knows what to do. Ain't nobody who knows what happens When a country gets itself into trouble and forsakes the Lord, nobody knows what to do to turn that country around. Seriously. So what do we do? We just put our heads down, make sure we go to church, make sure we serve locally, and that's what we continue to do. We continue to do it, we we close our eyes, and we hope that it's just a bad dream and that we'll wake up one day and it'll all be gone. It's not going away. All that's necessary for the triumph of evil is for good people to do nothing. If you play it safe for Jesus... At this time in history, if you play it safe in Jesus with what's happening in your life right now, you're not walking by faith. You're not walking by faith. Would you rather hear that from me, God's donkey, or would you rather hear it from the Lord himself? Maybe you might be hearing it through both. In Philippians chapter one, verse 15 Look what Paul says, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Paul, facing a problem with fugazi, fake, faith imposters. People who were proclaiming Jesus Christ for the wrong reasons, trying to one-up the apostle Paul that they would have the attention instead of Paul's imprisonment. And Paul was concerned that his imprisonment would win the day. Paul had a passion for Jesus Christ to be made known in the midst of his affliction, in the midst of his curveball. And you had these other fake imposters, people presenting themselves as being sincere in following Jesus Christ when they weren't sincere about following Jesus Christ. They just wanted people to follow them and by the way, Jesus, and by the way, Jesus. Thankfully, we don't live in that day and age today where that's happening. Listen, you're always going to find somebody who's fake when it comes to their faith. You're always going to find people, bad examples of a Christ follower because they're not following. Bad example, terrible example. You don't want to follow those people. But listen, don't let those people keep you from being the real deal, the genuine article. Don't let somebody's fake faith cause you to sit down and shut up and to shrink back when today, you know what people need to see? They need to see real faith instead of fear. They need to see people who are really sold out for Jesus Christ. They need to see people that regardless of what happens to you, regardless of what happens to you, it doesn't matter what circumstance you're facing. It doesn't matter what happens to you. You're going to be faithful to Jesus Christ and the gospel no matter what. It might cost you a great deal. It might lead you to take risks. It might lead you into turbulent waters. In fact, if you read your Bible, following Jesus, if you're really following Jesus, if you're really following Jesus, have you noticed this? Jesus doesn't play it safe. He ends up in all kinds of wacky situations, all kinds of dangerous situations. A guy possessed with a legion of demons, thousands of demons, what's Jesus doing? <laughs> what's up, dude? Jesus walks in this water in the midst of a storm. What are you doing going out there in the middle of a storm, Jesus? Because he's above the storms. The disciples, they to know that the wind and the waves, they were subservient to the one who created the wind and the waves. Haven't you understood when you read the Bible? You always find Jesus in the most unlikely fleshly, from fleshly terms, most unlikely situations. Not avoiding danger, not avoiding hardship, not playing it safe, but risking everything for the Father and for you. Wow. Risking everything so that some would be ransomed. Wow, that's how much God loves you. Do you see how ridiculous fear is? How foolish it is to operate by fear once we understand that ours is the God who wants us to walk by faith. You might not survive a diagnosis Does that really matter? Is that really what matters, that you survive the diagnosis? No, what matters is that in the midst of your diagnosis, your faith survives. That's what matters. Jesus didn't pray, spare them from hardship and difficulty. He prayed that their faith would not fail, that their faith would not fail. That's how important faith is. Listen, you'll always find people like the Apostle Paul. You'll always find people like Paul did who are fake in their faith, and causing attention to go in the wrong direction when it should be going upward toward Jesus. And if you're not careful, you will allow somebody's fugazi, fake faith deter you from being the real genuine article. Genuine article meaning you're taking risks for Jesus. Genuine article meaning you're not operating by fear you're operating by faith. You are trusting God because of his person, because of his nature, because of his character, not because you know how things are going to resolve. That's not faith. Faith is the essence of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, without faith, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's not possible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he earnestly rewards those who seek him. That's how important faith is. Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. How important is faith? Romans chapter 14, verse 23. The second part of verse 23, Romans 14, 23. Whatever, whatever, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Whatever doesn't proceed from faith is sin. I don't know about you. I'm getting sick and tired of my own sin. If my sin is at odds, doing things because I want them my way, not doing things because I want them my way, because I'm trying to live a comfortable, safe, protected life, and I'm spiritualizing about asking God to protect me. If that is at odds, if that is at odds with faith, I don't want it. I need to be sick of it. I need to despise it. I need to sit down with my family and have a conversation and say, I don't want to live a safe life. God doesn't call us to live safe lives. You can't follow Jesus and play it safe. You can be an American Christian and play it safe. Yes, yes, yes. But if you really want to live for Jesus, if you really want to be sold out for Jesus, you got to put a stake in the ground. And then when you pull that one up, a couple of hours later, you got to drive another one back in. And then when that one comes up, you got to drive another one back in. You have to understand that whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Are you living a life of faith or are you living a life of fear? Are you letting somebody else's half-baked approach to Christianity deter you from being the only example that people might have to see the genuine, real article in your workplace, in your family, in the neighborhood, in your church? Paul didn't. He was unlimited. Couldn't stop this guy. And if you start living by faith the way you've never lived before, you'll be unstoppable too. Look what he says here. Look what he says here in Philippians. Verse 19, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, pay attention to that word, with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death. Dude's not afraid of dying. Not for his own reputation, but for Jesus. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, but that's far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me... Look at this. You may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Look what he says, that in me, you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. That's amazing. God wants you to be the sermon illustration. God wants you to be the example of what it means to walk by faith. Paul was so inseparable in his endeavor for the glory of God that he could actually say, in me. Look at me, and you will be inspired. Look at me, and you will be inspired. God wants you, you to be that person who takes risks for Jesus Christ, that risks that make you look like Peter coming out of that boat, the safest place, the only place to refuge. It's in that boat. You get out of that boat, you're a nut job, not a fisherman. And yet Paul, the example for you and for me today, a murderer, a blasphemer, a violent man, the apostle Paul. If you're a murderer and a blasphemer and a violent man, violent woman, then there's hope for you. It's hope for you. God wants to use you as the example. In the modern day arena, 21st century we live in, God wants to use you as the example that other people can follow. I'll end with this as the journey for you is just beginning. Go back with me to verse 20. It's my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. The word courage that's used there, it means plainness of speech that conceals nothing and passes over nothing, plainness of speech that passes over nothing. Straight talk. Straight talk. Don't give me some double-tongued explanation for whatever it might be. Just give me straight talk. Speak the truth. Speak the truth. Plainness of language. There's no glossing over it. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying that Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. It also means confidence, boldness, courage, and fearlessness. That's what Paul is praying. The circumstances of my life, he's saying, they don't matter. It doesn't matter whether I die or whether I live. What matters is that I have courage. Do you understand what God is saying to you? There's other people listening to the message that God wants you to hear. Your circumstances only matter if you take your eyes off of Jesus Christ. Your circumstances are an opportunity to live with courage, to live with boldness, to be fearless, and not to allow fear to dominate your life. Remember, fear will eat you up and spit you out, just the bones. You cannot simultaneously walk by faith and walk by fear. What changes is God trying to bring about in your life, what kind of discussions do you need to have as husband and wife, as family? You must say to yourself, we never had a family gathering, now's a good time to start one. What kind of a discussion do you need to have as a family to make changes? How are you operating by faith instead of fear? What is that one thing, that one thing that's got you right here, that you are afraid of, and it dominates your life? Every time you turn around, It's biting you, you know where. You can't get away from it. It chases you, it haunts you, it paralyzes you. Kick it in the butt. Exchange it at the feet of Jesus and say, you know what? I've been operating by fear, and now I want to operate by faith in that very area. I tell you, when you get serious about your fears and you invite the Holy Spirit, you invite the Lord Jesus Christ to substitute a walk of faith, Instead of a run in fear, your whole life will go to the next level. What is it that you need to do to trust God? What decision do you need to make? You might start to get aware of, boy, I I do need to make decisions. I now need to start thinking about this. I can't just let this go on autopilot anymore. I can't just let this go on cruise control. I can't just let my life just drift along and have a veneer of faith when really... What's driving me is fear. You'll never be more free than when you walk with Jesus. Trust Him and leave the consequences at His feet. Interested in requesting Michael Anthony for an interview, guest appearance, or as a keynote speaker for your event? Click the invite tab on the Courage Matters app or on Couragematters.com. You can get more resources just like this podcast through the app and website as well.